Welcome to the new season of the Live Your Spa Life Show. The Spa and Spa Life stands for Seek Power Always, that divine power within you to do what you're here to do. The theme for this season is Freedom Fighter. Amazing people like you share ways to ensure your freedom physically, financially, spiritually, and in your relationships to create a world-class life. In these times of uncertainty, it's time for you to move past the distractions and start trusting yourself more through your God-given knowingness. No one truly knows better what's best for you than you. In this season, you'll have plenty of examples of people choosing their best life and giving a voice of freedom to those who are also looking to have their best life. Thank you for sharing your precious time with us and being part of the Live Your Spa Life conversation. Here with us today is Brooke Larson Miller. She is a faith-filled patriot, a mother of five, a serial entrepreneur of over 20 years, starting with Beaumont Exchange, which is a company based on quality, stylish clothing. She's also a huge supporter of local business and charities in the Quarter Lane, Northern Idaho area. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So, you know, a lot of people will look at, you know, your businesses, especially Beaumont, you've now expanded into five different stores and congratulations on your newest venture with the uh, Life Coffee Roasters, which is in downtown Coeur d'Alene. People can look at all the businesses and things you're doing. They see that success on the outside. And we know that there are challenges that happen in the background along the way and particularly in the last couple of years. So I'd love for you to kind of walk us through um, what that been like and some of the ways that you've overcome some of those challenges. Okay, sure. Um, so start a couple of years ago or yes. with my whole life story. Okay. <laughs> um, well, because I've had some really big hurdles to get through in my personal life as well um, that I think has taught me a lot of lessons, but if you were just going back about two years, um, I think it started when um, I had firmly believed from all of my research that the election was stolen. So I jumped on a plane and went to January 6th in Washington, D.C. And I was just wanting to show my children that I was not going to stand for a country that was not going to have a free and fair election. Um, did not go in the Capitol, did not incite any violence, whatever. But that's sort of when things started a little bit because... Um, People were very much pretty big leaders in our community were telling me I needed to, you know, get on, get on my social media sites and apologize for being an insurrectionist and a treasonist and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but even going back further than that, um, when this whole COVID stuff started, um, I didn't know, I, I'm actually kind of ashamed to say that my, I guess you'd call awakening was a huge awakening. I mean, my lovely mother had said kind of all these things throughout the years. And I just, oh, mom, you know, oh, I don't like Disney. Oh, mom, you know, just all of these different things. And so when I started, um, when they really did shut our businesses down, they pretty much told us, you know, we had to shut down um, Beaumont, all the stores. I really delved into a lot of research and I never really had time to research before because I'm raising my kids, I'm running my stores, I'm living life, traveling, having a great time. And I just didn't ever have, you know, eight hours a day to sit down and, oh, I wonder about this. I'm going to look into this. And it just started there and went deeper and deeper and deeper. 
Um, so when we were able to open back up, I definitely gave the choice to people. I even put it on my front door. I said, wear a mask if you'd like, or don't, it's your choice. That was the only thing I put on there. And of course I did not enforce, you know, my employees or my customers to wear them. So that's kind of what started this little um, attack, I guess you would say as well, um, where they actually, some some young 20 year olds actually, um, they were two sisters. They started just this, you know, they jump on all of my pages and write terrible recommendations and say that I was trying to kill everybody and how could I possibly not care about other human beings and this and that. And I noticed on her, um, on her Facebook profile, it had BLM kind of across her face. And, and that is one thing because I have two black adopted sons that right away when that started popping up, I had to research it because I didn't know. I was thinking, oh, maybe I should jump on board with this because maybe this is a really great thing. I had no idea. And so after, oh, I don't know, a couple of days of full research about that, it was very easy for me to see that it was a Marxist organization. They wanted to defund the police, uh, destroy the nuclear family and that. So I just made some little comment down below that said, um, by the way, you really should look into that organization. And I just stated that, you know, Marxist, destroy the nuclear family, defund the police. So I don't know if others have experienced this, but when someone in those little groups gets a hold of someone that comes against BLM or whatever they thought I was being against by saying supporting, if they don't support nuclear families, they just took that and went all over the place. I think it had 46,000 replies and comments, and I had death threats from people in California and back East just for that one statement. So I remember being um, really not sure at that time. I didn't know if my business was going to be destroyed because if a lot of you can relate, you felt really alone during that time because you didn't know if we should speak up against this. We, we didn't know if it would ruin your business or you'd lose you know, friends and be more distant with family. And so it was a really lonely time because you felt kind of like, am I the only one realizing all this, you know? And so I just kind of made a decision at that time that I had to just stick with my beliefs because I had myself felt so firm in them and push forward. It Gone were the days for me of placating and just thinking, oh, I don't know what someone's going to think. Uh, I realized that I couldn't do that anymore. And so um, I, I did lose some business right after that, but so many more people came in and just said, thank you so much for supporting our rights and um, we're supporting you. I've never heard of this store before, but I told all my family and friends to come shop here because you're supporting our rights. So, I mean, that's kind of the backstory with that one. And then of course, um, some other, you know, different people would just call in and give me one star reviews all the time and tell me that I'm the worst human in Coeur d'Alene and that, you know, um, I'm racist and I'm a white supremacist and um, I should send my, my sons back to Africa. And I mean, they were really, really harsh. But I just decided, I, I, don't, I think courage is a weird thing. I never realized this as much in the last two years as I do now, that once you start to have courage, it really does build. And it, it's, I always tell people, it's like a muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger it gets. So, and it is contagious. I would have so many people writing me and telling me, um, you know, thank you so much for standing up 
for our rights because, and this was all before even the whole vaccine thing, um, because it gave them courage and the ability to do the same. So right. that was kind of long-winded, but yeah. No, I know. I, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate your journey and just being in the exploration of that because, you know, you're right back then, you know, people didn't know, was it this big scary thing that was out there and what was going on? And the more I think that people did their due diligence and they started looking at, you know, what is this actually about and what do we really need to be fearful about? And if you start looking at all the different things of the censorship and particularly of where people who were just asking some, some questions, right. And just yeah. the fact of answering. And, and to me, when you start seeing someone who is attacking you just for asking questions and, you know, mm -hmm. I always look at, and this is probably the investigator in me from back in my, my police officer days of just, you know, you follow the money. Like, you know, things like the uh, BLM and those kind of things when people don't realize who's funding that, what that looks like. And a lot of times things are named in a way of like, well, of course, you're going to say you support a certain thing because it sounds good. Right. Of course, lot, certain lives matter. All lives matter. All these different things that happen. But when you look at the, you know, what's deeper than that, this is kind of where our duty is as far as, you know, relying on not just propaganda and things are out there, but what's true for us and what's true for our families and, and what it is that um, we're really trying to do. And especially as, you know, business owners, right, the backbone of America is business and being able to support your families and be able to do the things that, um, that, that really uh, are, are inclusive in the community. Um, so let's, let's also go back to, you've had, um, you have five children, three daughters uh, that you had biologically, and then you had two adopted sons. Tell mm -hmm. us a, a little bit about that and um, how that's come to play and how you've kind of share not only your family values, but how you've kind of uh, talked this through within your family. Yeah. Um, I told you I was going to get blotchy. <laughs> It's a redhead in me. It just, ooh. Um, so yes, I told my mom, I guess when I was nine, that I was going to move to Africa and have an orphanage and just, um, you know, adopt 20 kids or whatever. And I didn't quite go that far, but I, it always just made sense to me that, and I, before I married, you know, my husband and I have been together 30 years this, this summer, we're celebrating our 30th. So we were um, high school sweethearts and I told him, I just said, just so you know, you know, anybody that I marry has to be on board with adoption because that's really in my heart. And I said, you know, I'd love to have a couple of biological children too, if that's possible. You never know, but I definitely like to adopt. So um, as the years went on, um, you know, we, we were married five years, had our first daughter. And then, and then I had my Beaumont baby, I like to say, like three years after that, and then waited a couple more years to have my second daughter. And then you know, in my head, it was always like, okay, have two, and then hopefully adopt two. And so that whole story, I could go on for probably a couple hours, how um, miraculous and, and beautiful it, it, it was and is. Um, but my son, Kason, uh, I used to babysit his birth mom in college in Seattle, when she was around 12. And she had remembered me talking about wanting to adopt children someday, because she was adopted from India herself. And so I do have to make this long story really short, but she ended up contacting me when she was pregnant with not any family support or any, any people in her life really, and kind of checked back in with me. And she, I guess, had gone to um, a few different abortion clinics because she just had no idea how she was going to raise a child. And, and I think at the second or third one, she 
was sitting there and she just had this feeling come over here like, what am I doing? I know this is not supposed to be the path for me. And it was soon after that, that she called me and basically just kind of like, Hey, I'm pregnant. I remember he was talking about wanting to adopt children someday. So, um, you know, will, will you adopt this baby? And of course, right away, my husband and I are like, you know, yes, absolutely. And so she actually came and lived with us, um, from her sixth month of pregnancy through the birth and a few months after. And I, I need to write a book about that whole thing someday because it's, it's <laughs> a really, a really cool story. And, and her and her two boys, we're all super close now and we do family things together and she comes and stays and all of that. So Kaysen's 15 now. And then Kato, um, after, after Kaysen, um, my plan was to adopt again. And when I was 38, surprise, uh, going the other routes again. And I got pregnant with my little, uh, she's now 13, Brenna. So, um, couple years after she was born, then I still really wanted to adopt two. And I thought that it would be kind of nice because Kaysen was darker skin that maybe we would adopt another child with darker skin so they could relate and they could, I don't know, it just kind of made sense to me. Plus many children in Africa die between the age of zero and five. They don't have any chance even just to live. So we just went on rainbowkids.org and first little boy I saw because it was so, or first child I saw, it was so weird to me to like scroll through and like pick. I mean, that's really what people do on those sites. So the very first child, I was just kind of like, okay, let's, let's check into that one first. And he was from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so we just started that whole process and uh, it was supposed to be, oh, you know, 25,000 and eight months. And, um, we're like, okay, we could throw that on the credit cards. Bowman was still growing. And, and then it ended up to be, um, three years and, uh, about $60,000 because the country shut it all down and we had to wait it, it. That's also a long story, but, um, but yeah, this whole process with trying to figure out even the statistics that they lie to us about with this whole organized movement, it's so frustrating to me because, it affects my black children. You know, when, when my 15 year old is being told that police are just out to kill black people, how do you think that makes him feel? So then I have to come at him with statistics, be like, no, 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 this is what's being portrayed out there, but these are the actual statistics. Um, you know, did he asked me like, do I have to hold my hands on the steering wheel? And, and I just, you know, that's what's really, that's what makes me mad about all of these lies too, because it affects my black sons because it puts fear into them that is not rational. It's being fed to them through propaganda. And so I'm always just about the facts, like, nope, let's look at this statistics. Let, let's look these up. And so, um, you know, that's, that's been an interesting path. Yeah, definitely. Well, and you know, this is just a great way to uh, teach our children how to look things up and not just to believe things that are at face value. And I think that's one of the things that we've really learned, particularly over the last couple of years, is that we don't delegate our health, we don't delegate our family values, that we get clear on what those things are, and we actually uh, can look for any of these facts. And I think we're seeing more disparaging information with what's being, you know, 
told to us versus looking, I mean, anywhere from, you know, information being revealed, you know, there's been court cases that have, have made factual information come to light. So anybody who is willing to look beyond the fear and to look at what is actually true, it's out there for people to do. And so there's, you know, part of that, this encouragement of people really standing in their freedom is to know the facts and to be clear on, on what is important for them. Um, yeah. So let's also look at um, some during your, your journey as well in your family, um, your husband had a pretty major accident. And um, what uh, when did that happen uh, in terms of with uh, the relation of, of your children? Like how old were your children and your business? And and how did that impact um, you know your journey as well? Yeah. So um, actually coming up May 21st, it'll be 16 years. Can't believe it. It's goes by so fast. But uh, we had just adopted Kason actually. So he was about six months old. And, you know, so we had three children. We're busy. We're, you know, gaining a little weight. We're like, oh, we need to, you know, jump in a co-ed soccer league. Because I played soccer when I was younger. And and so he agreed, even though he was more in the baseball, football, basketball uh, arena. So we jumped on a team and um, there was 20-year-olds, but there was also, I think at that time we were mid-30s, somewhere, no, maybe early 30s. But um, so we just were playing a normal game. Luckily I had dropped my kids off at that particular game at a friend's house and, um, he was playing goalie and a young 20 year old was full force going to score. And Dave probably didn't know all the correct ways you're supposed to stop a person trying to score on you as a goalie or not, but he just went in to stop it. And then, um, right as the guy was shooting his, his knee caught the back of, uh, Dave's head. So right kind of behind behind his ear. And we all heard a big crack. I was playing like 10 feet from him and we thought, Oh shoot, you know, he broke his nose or his arm, but he immediately went into um, seizures. And thankfully we had a nurse on the team that was able to put the pencil down his throat and keep him from swallowing his tongue and all that obviously called 911. He had um, blood and spinal fluid coming out of his nose and ears. At that point um, we honestly like didn't know if he was even going to make it. Um, they intubated him at the field. It was so serious. Then they threw him in the ambulance and um, he was in a coma for 12 days. And the doctors, I think it was the second night, the neurologist came up and talked to me and he just said, you know, honestly, we did the cold test, which is some, they blow cold air in your ear. And it, if you, if your brain doesn't have any response to it, then it's really not a good prognosis. And so they did the test and there was nothing. And so, you know, he actually told me, he said, um, I, I just don't have any good news for you. We have no idea how this will turn out. And um, he could either be, he could not make it or he could be paralyzed or um, best case scenario, his, his right side will be paralyzed. And so 12th day, he kind of woke up, had no idea what happened. Um, he would learn to, let's see. So he was there two weeks and then went to St. Luke's in Spokane. And at that time he paid all the bills. He knew, you know, like I'm dealing with the little kids and, and he's taking care of all of our financial everything. So I had to get a power of attorney to even go in and try to figure out what we owed to people. Friends had a big benefit for us because there's no GoFundMe back then or anything. And, and so we were able to keep our house, our cars, cause we're living paycheck to paycheck at that point, you know? And, um, we had people jumping in the store, helping, taking my kids, um, going and visiting him at the hospital all the time. And so the doctors, after 
he went to St. Luke's. He had, he literally had to learn to walk and talk again and, and eat and everything else. And so, um, we just remember at the time that it was such an amazing blessing of the community that was just coming together for us and, um, helping us get through this, which it's, it's kind of interesting how that affects you. I mean, I've always been a compassionate person. I've always been as helpful as I can to everybody. Um, but after you go through something like that, any little emergency that somebody has or any um, situation that they find themselves to be in a really pl- a tough place, I think it affects you even more where you just jump in anywhere that you can and just basically help other people not to suffer as much. And um, I, I definitely find that with myself. It's just innate now. Um, it probably was a little bit before, but to a lot bigger extent now. So after about six months, he everybody could not believe how fast he was healing. Everyone called him Miracle Dave. I mean, all around town, it was the doctors we would run into. The, the emergency room doctor said it was the worst skull fracture. He had 21 skull fractures, the worst skull fracture that he'd ever seen in someone that survived. Um, you know, they would just look at him going like, I can't believe you don't have any residual um, injury or so that was pretty amazing. And about six months later, I kind of laughed because there was, he obviously had to, he was working in life insurance at that time and he couldn't, you know, I mean, it, it took a while for him to get all of his um, senses back really. And so there was a job that was headhunting him from um, Boise and they had no idea that he had just been through this like huge brain injury accident and they wanted to hire him. So I'm just kind of like, okay, let's see how this goes because you know, he's just getting back still. And he ended up taking that and it's been a big blessing. He's been with that company for, um, gosh, probably 12, well, 14 years, something like that now, 15. Right. Right. You know, it's so funny. We talk about like, you know, doctors and, and we kind of joke in our inner circle of that, you know, it's practicing medicine, right? Because, you know, they don't always know the whole picture. And, you know, we know that God has bigger plans for us. And uh, there are, are certain things that, uh, you know, they can't predict. And, and the body is an amazing thing that can heal itself in, in so many different ways. Talk a little bit how faith has, has you know, grounded you, how it has helped you through some of these times and just how, uh, how faith has played a role. Uh, in your life? Yeah. So um, my mom has always had a very huge impact in my life that way. Um, She was, uh, she grew up Catholic, uh, daughter of a colonel in the Air Force back East. And then, you know, the hippie movement came and she moved to California with her sister, much to his dismay, my grandfather's dismay. (laughs) And, um, and then she met my dad and they moved to Idaho, um, bought 40 acres, lived off the land, no water, no electricity. In fact, Brooke, my name comes from like this little trickling Brooke that she named me after. But she actually just literally describes it as either she found Jesus or Jesus found her up on that mountain. And and she just went from kind of the new age hippie thing to like diving into everything, Bible, Jesus, everything. So then um, growing up, we were always going to Christian schools, um, Sunday school churches, and she really lived it. She wasn't the, what I would say, the, she wasn't at all hypocritical or um, real, you know, we have to do everything a certain way. It was just in her heart, you knew that um, she really tried to be like Christ. And if, she, if you talk to a lot of people through our history, I mean, we had people living with us all the time. She would 
be completely broke herself, which we all were most of our lives. And she would give away her last $10 to someone that needed it. She's just always been like that and just really listen to people. And sometimes that's what people need more than anything, more than advice, more than anything is just to have someone um, empathetically listen. So she would, you know, always have Christian music playing. She would always, um, you know, we'd get a candy bar if we earned a scripture or, you know, all of these kind of things, which now looking back, like, okay, I see what you were doing. (laughs) um, And even in the last two years, I've, I've mentioned to my mom before too, because it's just this very strange, I've always been uh, pretty musical. I love to sing and it was in a band for a little while, all that, but in my head were constant Christian songs from when I was little growing up, even as a teenager, I remember I got grounded one time for listening to 98 Kiss FM. That's how strict she was about not letting (laughs) those influences in. Now, again, I'm like, oh my gosh, mommy, you were so right, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's just grounded me in a way that subconsciously even I'll be doing something or maybe I'll have a little bit of, I don't consider myself an anxious person or person that struggles with anxiety, but I'll just have this feeling of, I mean, when you look at what's happening right now and how people aren't understanding and, and, uh, this almost like this anger or this rage wants to just explode. I, I do get grounded a lot of times just by taking a breath and just like, God help me get through this because it's too much for me. You know, I can't handle it on my own. And, um, that's, that's been really big, especially, through the accident, through that time. I mean, there were certain songs that I would just listen to over and over again. It was so peaceful and calming. And I do remember thinking at that time, man, if I didn't have this, like, I don't know how people get through times like this, you know, and, and have friends be like, well, I don't want to be dependent on something like that. And it's not really being dependent. It's just this, this huge help in times like that, you know, and in this last couple of years, many moments of those kind of, um, anger and and fear and all of that, where you can just, you know, ask God to help you and he does. And so uh, what I was getting to with always having these songs in my head, it was almost obsessive to the point where I had to listen to music or podcasts or um, shows, which I feel like I have about 20 years of education in my head from these last two years, because that's all I've done. Like forget Netflix, forget. I mean, it's, it's just been a, a huge learning experience in so many realms. I feel like I'm a doctor these days, um, but almost having to distract or tune me out from those constant songs. And, and, and many of the songs were scriptures, which I thought is very smart too. And I'm going to start implementing that more with my children because you remember songs. So you'll be, you'll be kind of, you know, how sometimes you just hear a tune in your head yeah. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, that's this song. That's this scripture. That's this scripture. So it's just kind of interesting how that yeah. works. But. Yeah, I think it's so great. I think there is kind of a, a renewal of faith that's happening. You know, people realizing yeah. that things that feel out of out of your control. And, you know, if we, we listen to, I feel like those that inner voice within us is God speaking to us. And it really allows us to to gather up that strength and to, you know, fight 
the battle of the next day and, and to be able to be grounded in that. And so I think that um, there's so many blessings associated with when we, we come back to that and we have that. And, you know, along those lines, you know, um, one of my favorite questions I like to ask is because I think the environment we create, especially the last couple of years, people are spending more time at home than ever. And we have different experiences in our bedroom versus our kitchen or our office. So what's your favorite room in your home and why? Well, my family talked me into getting a mastiff. So there's lots of dog <laughs> hair and slobber and everything out there. So at least in my office, I can shut the door. And I mean, this really has been my, like, I don't know, learning place where I come in and just um, soak in information and take notes and read and um, just listen to things as I'm doing my bill paying for my businesses. And so I would definitely say my, um, and, and really this is my, my like place to sort of be alone. I even got a combination lock on the door so they wouldn't leave it open and people come to, you know, how they take your things. Like, where's my scissors? Where's my tape? I can just keep it all in here for the most part. And then of course someone, mom, I really need the code because I can't, I need the printer. I'm like, fine, here's the code. So it doesn't always work, but, but this is my place of, um, just keeping everything very clean and organized and how I like it. And then just really soaking in information and, I mean, digital warrior is kind of a phrase that gets tossed around all the time. But um, the last two years, I've just tried to push out information as much as I can to everyone I can, just trying to show people the truth. I mean, how it's so strange how we live in this alternate reality right now where even half my family and friends like think this is happening and I know this is happening. And it's, it's such a strange thing to experience because you're just thinking like, how can you not see what's going on? So of course I'm always watch this, look at this, read this, send, 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 you know? And, um, so that I think has helped me a little bit in thinking maybe I'm doing a little bit to wake people up. And, and I think because of so many people reaching out to me, um, quietly, um, and telling me like, thank you, you've woken me up or, you know, that term gets tossed around a lot too, but you've shown me this and it's because you sent me this article, which half the time those are banned anyway. So you have to, you know, text it to them. Send me <laughs> yeah. your phone number. Watch I'll it in the next three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Telegram and oh my gosh, I still remember when that was happening. I, it really was this realization. Like we, I felt like we lived in China. I never thought that would be like this in the United States and, right. and how fast, even when the frontline doctors came out on the steps and all of a sudden it was just like, this is what I've been trying to tell people, bam, share it everywhere taken off every platform, even YouTube everywhere. And then right. even with that, people still don't see, they call them fringe doctors or something, you know? <laughs> um, so I would, I would say my office, but I would also say the kitchen because of course, you know, as in most cases, moms do most of the cooking and, you know, just organizing and schoolwork and all that um, homework with the kids. So that's been my connecting place because no matter what they're doing, even though we have a big downstairs where they can, they, they do want to be near you. I've found out over the years, like what's the point of even having a basement playroom because they just bring their toys up and want to play right by you. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of, I guess, where a lot of the interaction with my family and just providing that meal, sitting down, being able to discuss things. Um, that's really special too. So. Yeah. So great. I love that. So I know that our listeners are going to want to stay in contact with you. Um, we'll put all your information in, in our show notes. Um, but what's the one place that they can reach out to you? Well, I would give you all three of my Facebook pages, but they are all three banned right at the moment. 
Um, and literally the one that just got banned, my Brooke Larson Miller one for the seventh time now, 30 days, um, was I'm really passionate about sh sharing people's side effects of this shot because mm -hmm. these poor people whose lives are completely devastated, including close friends and family of mine, um, they aren't even allowed to share their story. They get banned. They get their delete. Their groups are deleted. Um, it actually says in the Facebook community guidelines that if you share side effects from people, then that's against their community standards because you might scare them from getting the shot. And that's the reason that I just got banned two days ago because I was sharing, you know, sometimes you're just on a mission of like, share, 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 share. How many can I get out before they ban me? And uh, and so that, that, that one did it where this lady, you know, there's so many people that have neurological damage and all of that. And she just couldn't even walk many, many people. Um, and I shared that one because I felt like, it's almost my duty. Like these people have to be heard. It's not fair that they right. can't share their own stories and, and they're trying to warn people, you know? Um, so Brooke Larson Miller is still going to be a ways off. I would say probably you can email me if you'd like to get a hold of me, um, at brookmiller 71 at iCloud.com. Or I also have the Beaumont CDA, um, at msn.com. And, um, right now that's, that's kind of, um, other than you can message me on, I think I can still use messenger on Facebook. So you can message me on the Brooke Larson Miller, or, um, I actually have a personal page on there called Beaumont. And then I have a personal page called Boogie Miller. And that was stupid. My dad used to call me that. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make another page. And then my daughter, <laughs> when I was, I was, you know, she works at life coffee roasters and, and she's 23 and she's like, mom, don't post anything from that page. That's weird. Bro, Boogie Miller. Are you kidding me? I'm like, okay, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah. And, and as far as life copy too, um, being, speaking the truth and being a patriot and saying in our name, which stands for live your freedom every day. It's, it's just amazing to me that people, those are buzzwords that they will not step foot into your establishment because they have the word freedom in your name. They've actually, many people have told us that before. It's just crazy. So, right. so we appreciate all the Patriots coming down there too, because they're, they're keeping us alive. Right. And that's why we do go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, we appreciate that so much. So. Perfect. Uh, so good. Well, I mean, your whole life has really been about uh, standing for freedom. And as you know, our theme for, for this season is for freedom fighters. So how would you say that you're being a freedom fighter today? Well, I'm actually part of, I'm senior director of North Idaho Freedom Fighters, which my friend um, Amy McCamley started. And she moved from California. I know everyone, it's, it's tough, but I'm telling you what, of all the people that I have the, the most passionate people about keeping this area free have been people that have moved from Oregon, Washington, California. And I think it's because they understand exactly what's going on right now because they lived through this five, 10 years ago and they are seeing it creep in and they are not going to let it happen here if it takes their last breath. So I know people, it's, it's easy to, you know, jump on the bandwagon of, you know, our housing is so expensive and they're just coming here selling their shack and buying a million dollar house. And so I get that I'm from North Idaho. I've heard that all my life, but, um, give them a break, especially the people that are really, um, bent on not letting this become, um, like China basically, or like California, which aren't too far off right now, I think. And, um, and so I'm, I'm a big part of that. We just threw our second gala, um, two weeks ago 
which we just raised money to fight in the, the media and the legal and the medical arenas where people come to us and, and just say like, you know, like Heart of Hope Health is the new clinic in Hayden that just started up. Um, they, you know, we gave them $5,000. We um, help with a few people that come to us that just really need legal money to hire a lawyer to keep their job or whatever. Um, so, and then just trying to talk to people every chance I get and um, just trying to just give them little seeds where maybe if nothing else, they'll just look into it a little bit like I did. And it's hard because so much of that information is censored, but you never know when that little seed is going to bloom into something that um, will also change. You know, if we just focus on local, I'm, I'm definitely, I've never been a big part of politics whatsoever. And I, I am ashamed to say that now because now I realize that's probably how you know, we are in this spot, even in Idaho, where we've been under the emergency declaration for almost two years now, for instance. Um, so I've realized how important that is. So, um, you know, here I find myself hosting meet and greets for Raul Labrador. I'm doing the election auctions, which North Idaho Freedom Fighters puts on where we host the area, um, like the Best Western, and then people show up and give money to candidates, the conservative candidates that they like. Um, people that are basically just going to stand up for our constitutional rights and um, freedoms, you know, so, so we're doing, well, it's so great. yeah, yeah, no, I, I love all the things you're doing. I mean, you definitely have a heart for the people of Idaho and in your community. I mean, I met you at a business that you were, you were helping somebody with their business where uh, there was another person trying to shut their business down. And it's just like, you know, it's really great to see that people rallying around to support people to, you know, live the life that they want to live in their business and, and with their families and, you know, in a foundation of faith and just all of those things. And you're such a great example of that. And I just want to thank you so much for, for sharing your journey and sharing with our listeners, because there are a lot more people out there that are kind of the the silent majority that, you know, wish that they could have a bigger voice. And um, I think that the message out there is that you can really, and that if you don't step into something where you stand for yourself and you stand for your family, you know, those, those rights and freedoms can, can go by the wayside. So I just want to thank you for everything you're doing to be that example um, to all of our listeners. Thank you. And thank you for giving people like me a voice to, to share, because again, that whole courage thing, like if people can just get a little bit of courage, even in just a small area and um, fight where they can just be the best that you can be in that area that maybe it's being a mom of little kids and raising them how you should raise them. It doesn't matter what um, position that is, whatever it is, do that to the best of your ability and always have the um, idea of living your life with the freedom that, that you deserve and that we have is important. So I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Thank you. You got it. You got it. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being here with us. And until we connect again, live your spa life. Bye for now. Bye-bye.